The Business on RT Radio 1 with AIB. We know that your focus is on your business. That's why ours is on supporting you. Well, it's a real rugby weekend. Later this evening, the All Blacks will take on Ireland in Paris. We're joined now by a man who has spent a lifetime in sport, Mickey O'Rourke co-founded Satanta Sports in 1990, a business that was valued at several hundred million euro. The company had paid £392 million for 46 Premier League match rights in 2004 as it went head-to-head with Sky Sports before things went wrong in the crash. Uh, Mickey now runs Premier Sports and he's also an investor in Danu Partners, an investment partnership that's behind restaurant chains in the US. Mickey O'Rourke, we'll start with... uh, Sport and the news this week that Ireland, along with the UK, will host the Euros in 2028 after Turkey withdrew. Did you think that would ever happen? Um, it was undoubtedly uh, the best proposal. We would have won anyway. I, I, I think absolutely. We've been very unlucky. We haven't really had um, you know that many big international events in Ireland so uh, it'll be great and it'll be great for the economy it'll be great for tourism for the hotels for restaurants so very positive for Irish football as well Going back to your original days in getting involved with televising sports events and the beginning of Satanta when somebody sits down and you sat down with Leonard Ryan and decided you were going to televise football or sport you, you had a sort of a fairly random beginning you, you just literally phoned up the BBC <laughs> Yeah, it, it, I, I would say it wasn't planned. I, I mean, I suppose my background prior to, to Satanta was I'd been the ENS officer in UCD. So I had a, a, a small background in a, you know concert promotion. Uh, and then I was working in that West and Leonard was working in uh, Canada Life. Uh, and we'd planned to do something. And then the World Cup came along, the 1990 uh, World Cup, and we were all hugely excited uh, and at that time, in, in we were both working in London, the pubs, they didn't have big screens, you know, they just had a little small telly in the corner. So we decided for the, the first match, I think it was Ireland versus England, to hire a big screen and, and put it in the Irish club and invite our friends around, you know, and charge like £2 or something like that to help pay towards the screen. And, you know, 100 or 200, 300 turned up and, and that was fine. And then the third match came along, Ireland were playing Holland and it was the same time as England were playing Egypt and the BBC and ITV both decided, logically enough, that they would show the England match but hey-ho, no one was showing the Ireland match and that's really all we wanted to see. So we rang up the BBC and we asked, um, there was a match on in three days and we wanted to show it and and, <laughs> and the, the guy on the phone kind of chuckled away to himself uh, going, well, that's kind of impossible. There's no way you can organise a match in three days and so on. But he was kind of saying it to himself. He hadn't completely covered the the, the phone and Leonard uh, picked up on this uh, when he said, no, I can't help. And he said, well, I heard all that, you know, there must be a way we can do it. And he kind of got a little bit embarrassed and uh, said, look, okay, if you can persuade ITV and Sky and the EBU and FIFA and UEFA and the Italian Football Association, then, yeah, of course you can. And you say, what did you say to that? Well, (laughs) okay, that's great. Uh, Could you give us the telephone numbers of all those (laughs) organisations? And as it turned out, the guy who who we were dealing with, who who ended up working with us years later, Jim McMullen, was very helpful and terrific. And we we got the phone numbers. 
So we'd ring up ITV and we'd say, uh, everyone else has said yes. Uh, so you're the last one. <laughs> and uh, they said, well, well, if everyone else had said yes. Uh, yeah. And it was only it, to one venue. So they kind of went, OK, OK. So we, we kind of got everyone's uh, permission. And we uh, then we had to technically do it. So we had like 48 hours to organise a live event, which... You know, in those days, it was incredibly difficult because it, 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 we had to uplink it, which we didn't know what an uplink was, onto a satellite, which we didn't know what a satellite was, and get a, a, a dish to downlink and get someone to install it, and then big screens. And so there was an awful lot of uh, technical uh, bits that we didn't uh, we didn't know what we were doing, and real brinksmanship as well. To, yeah, to pull uh, it yeah. off. And what did you have? To, how much did you have to pay for it? And did you make any money out of it? We, we didn't make money out of it. We we didn't have to pay much. I think I think the rights fee was 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 actually very small. It was I think it was about two thousand pounds, something like that. We had a huge number of people turned up. About a thousand people turned up, and that, that's how we knew there was a business. So you could see there was the potential for a business there. Going back to your own family background, and you you were born in Newry, and there had been business in the family. Your your dad was a coal importer. Yeah, my my, my grandfather set up a coal important business and then my, my father then took took that over and, and ran it so the, the, and he was uh, he was an entrepreneur he, he you know he set up a trailer re- retail company I think he had a travel agent at one stage so he was a real entrepreneur I think there is a little bit of that in in, in the family and it certainly I knew when I grew up or as I grew up uh, I wanted to be two things I wanted to be a footballer and, and an entrepreneur. I certainly didn't achieve the first one, but uh, the second one isn't too bad. But you were big into sport and football, were you? Yeah, I, I mean, I love uh, I love playing uh, sport. I still love playing, um, although I'm, I'm very diminished now. I'm getting very old. Are you? St- you're still playing? Are you, you still ah, kick about? Well, by but the people who play with me would debate that one. <laughs> but uh, I I still I still train on a, on a Tuesday night, uh, and uh, yeah, I still I still kick a ball, and if I can't kick a ball or try and kick someone that's close to the ball. Yeah. Which which often helps. And the family moved from Newry. Was that, it would have been the 1970s, was it on the back of the troubles that your parents decided to, to move to Dublin? Yeah, I, I think we moved about 74 and yeah, it was, I think it, they just probably felt it was better for the children to grow up uh, at that time. And your dad at that time in coal importing would have travelled a lot and travelled to places like Eastern Europe, do, do you think, in a way, he must have brought back stories about those travels in those days. Do you think it might have maybe opened up your own mind to that bigger, wider world at an early age? Yeah, possibly, yeah. I mean, he, he was, you know, he would have been in uh, Poland and uh, a, co- a communist country at, at, at that stage. And he would have been, obviously, the UK. He would have been in, in America, uh, in Africa. So he, he and Australia. So he, he would have he would have travelled extensively and it would have seen a lot. And I, I mean, I was lucky in a sense. I also travelled. I mean, I remember when I finished my leaving cert, I, I went to EOS and I was selling, I think I was selling watermelons uh, on the beach and uh, cold drinks. Uh, and then I hitchhiked back from from Greece and, you know, that was 83. So I was, it was through Yugoslavia and Hungary and, and it was originally Czechoslovakia. And, and they would have all been behind the Iron Curtain at that stage. So, yeah, very undeveloped at that stage, especially when you go back and look at them now. I, I just remember the. Well, I turned up at the Hungarian Czechoslovakian border, and I didn't. I don't think I had a visa, 
but I had the green Irish passport and there was a queue of, I think it took us a day to actually get to the border crossing. And then they saw the Irish passport and they, they literally took it and, and it was all barbed wire fences and things like that. And it was passed around uh, through the whole of, of, of all the offices and up to the, up to the, wherever they have the machine guns at, at, at the top. And they were all, basically, they had never seen an Irish passport. And uh, I think they were just, they were just amused and I think they wanted to educate everybody what, what one looked like. So I suppose that just shows there wasn't too many Irish people out there at that time. <laughs> and you, you got through safe and sound. We, we got through safe and sound and uh, and then eventually into Germany and then hitchhiked from Germany up to Holland. And uh, Had you had you plenty of money on you? Did you do well selling the watermelons that summer? I, I suspect by the time I got back to Dublin, I didn't have any money. I, I don't think I had, I don't think I earned that much money, but I, I, I paid my way. And you went to UCD and you got very interested in entertainment, gigs, concerts. You became the Ents officer there. You would have spent a year doing that. D- did you book a lot of well-known bands? Well, they would have been well known then. Um, yeah, I mean, it would have been, cer- certainly the Hottest Flowers would have been, um, you know, would have been the rock I would have built my entrepreneurship around. But we were very lucky. We worked with the Blades, uh, the Dubliners, Stockton's Wing, Scullion, uh, the Wolf Tones. Yeah, you're bringing back a lot of memories now. The, the Wolf Tones, did they sell out? They did indeed, yeah. The, the, the Wolf Tones and the Dubliners and Hottish Flowers and all those bands were hugely popular. So when it came to Satanta and getting into sports television, you had met uh, Leonard Leonard Ryan, you decided to do something together. You, you had this kind of brinksmanship and, and a lucky break perhaps in a way with the guy in the BBC getting the, the World Cup game rights. But very quickly, there was you identified an opportunity and one, one avenue of that opportunity was, was pubs and GAA. I don't know if people remember it, but there was a big war between a company called BSB uh, and Sky, and it was kind of one of those big satellite wars uh, of the early 1990s. But people also would probably not remember that there was a company called British Aerospace, which um, uh, made satellites, and therefore they decided that they were going to get into the broadcast business. And they had created a pub network, and they were the first casualty of that, that battle. Uh, and we ended up buying their pub network off them when when they uh, ceased to ceased to trade, and we in effect created a pub network for for Gaelic games and and, and Irish football all, all across Europe, uh, and ultimately we expanded into the Middle East and uh, down into Australia, uh, and then finally into into America. So we we were. We, we, we were broadcast. Gaelic Games was 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 going all over the world from from a very uh, from a very early stage, and it was interesting. We had we brought the Premier League to America in '95, and probably at the time there wasn't a huge difference in the demand between uh, Gaelic Games and the Premier League. Amazing, some difference now. Uh, well, the Premier League now is is extraordinarily big uh, in the U. I mean, obviously worldwide, but in particular the US and uh, and it's going to continue to grow in the US. So growing Satanta then, you, you were looking at GAA, you were looking at different territories, but you decided to go for the big play, which was to go Premier League, get the rights to the UK rights to some of those games, some, some packages of games and really sort of go head to head with Sky in, in the UK. 
Yeah, I mean, we'd, we'd probably done a good few things before that. We'd created an American sports channel, uh, NASN, with a, with a guy called Paul Allen, uh, and that was, that was a huge success. We had been broadcasting the Premier League in, in the USA and Canada, and we ended up creating channels in USA and Canada, and they were, uh, they were doing quite well. Um, and I suppose we'd started doing Scottish football in Scotland, which was which was going well. And and I suppose the natural, the next step was that the Premier League rights, um, the EU Commission decided that they could no longer be uh, owned by one single buyer. So in other words, that Sky had to share the rights. And and, and that probably that single point has probably made the Premier League the success it is because the competition that that created for the sports rights. Uh, you know, dramatically raised the rights fees, which has been to the benefit of the clubs and the league. And we were the first people to go for that. But it also would have propelled the Satanta business into a whole other level in terms of financing. I mean, how much were you paying per game and how difficult then was it to to, to kick on from that financially and get yeah, the revenues it was, in. You know, it was, in today's terms, it, was, it wasn't it was that much. I think we were paying, and I'd have to check my notes, but I'm going to say about 130 million a year for uh, 46 games. But Mickey, it must have taken, it, it took incredible guts because you, you already had a business that was expanding and was going well. And then to step up to look at that market against Sky, you know, it, it, it and the financing that would have been required. It took it took real guts to do that. Yeah, it, it did. And it was, the, and you know, we raised a lot of money uh, for, to, to, to fund uh, to fund that. Uh, although in hindsight, we realised we hadn't raised enough because one of the things is uh, our business, the subscription business, and you can see it for people, things like Netflix and Disney Plus nowadays, that... It, it takes a number of years of of investments until you grow your base to reach break even. And then once you break even, then you have a very, very good business. But until you reach break even, it is loss making. Um, and you, you are going through a very, uh, very deep valley. And uh, it feels like you're never going to get there. But, you know, if you have the patience and the cash, you, you, you will get there and then you'll have a terrific business. You had a range of investors uh, along the way uh, that would have would have backed you. But also w- w- one guy in particular, Enon Kreitz, CEO of Mattel. Yeah, Enon was uh, a visionary. He was uh, one of the first finance people uh, we met and he was a benchmark capital. You know, he's a brilliant partner. He's, he's an incredibly talented uh, person as as he's shown, um, and his car- his character features in the the Barbie yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. Will Will Ferrell plays him. Yes, that's right. <laughs> is it is it anything like him? Oh, it has similarities. <laughs> I, you've watched it anyway. You were probably one of the first in the door to check that out, were you? Yeah, yeah. No, look, you know, look, Enon, uh, Enon is uh, is incredibly talented, um, and uh, he's got so much energy. Uh, but it's it's positive energy, you know. So, so he, he... basically, you'd gone for the big play. You'd got some very strong financial backers. You knew it was going to take a bit of time, and you needed them to stick with it. But the financial crash, the liquidity crisis in the banking system. Am I right in saying that would have been one of the things that really scuppered things for Satanta? Yeah, it. It. I mean, and it did. I mean, it was in in the UK. Now we were, we were. Um, 
we had the same challenges as our other businesses around the world, but in the UK, it was a real it was a real problem. We we were growing at about 35 percent uh, per annum, and literally when Northern Rock happened, uh, we were still growing, but we were growing at you know less than ten percent, and so that that meant that the revenue growth that we anticipated uh, wasn't happening, and therefore the amount of cash that we needed to get to break even was 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 bigger and that that shouldn't have been a problem um we had some terrific uh, backers um but the problem was when the financial crisis happened they didn't have any money uh so we literally had uh, we had a liquidity crisis at the wrong time and uh, we really struggled to to get funding and we did actually finally get there, but it was last minute, and it was just it was just too 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 late, unfortunately. What a stressful situation to be in! You've got these big international backers. You've got a business that you believe is going to work is growing. So this comes in on the outside out of nowhere. I mean, was it stressful? It was. It was hugely stressful. I mean, it was stressful. Uh, I guess it was no different than anyone else in two thousand uh, in two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Uh, loads of business were uh, experiencing the same sort of stress. It was stressful because of all the people that were working with you. That they had all come on on the journey, and you know you felt you were responsible for them, and you know it was their livelihoods, their jobs, their families. Um, and and you know and of course the financial backers they you know they had put faith in you as well so you know and 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 your partners you know the 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 sports federations and things like that did you lose a lot of your own money in that as well <laughs> you're, yeah, you're laughing ambition. at it anyway yes. I'm laughing at I had ambition to be at fifty to be zero at fifty uh, I think I got there at forty nine so yeah I mean one of the things when when the UK UK business went bust. We we, you know, I had two things. We wanted to prove that we could actually make the model work, and 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 you know, we we had to turn our Canadian and Australian and our, and our African business around, and and which we did do. But you know, we had two things: one to prove we could do it, but two, we, uh, you know, we had to sell those businesses off, uh, which we managed to to you know to Fox to Rogers Discovery. And you know, and basically pay back our debts uh, because we <laughs> we had quite a bit of debt. So were you yeah, broke? We got there. Were we you, got there. Were you broke? Ah, yeah, of course you were. Yeah, but you 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 make it sound as if that's just, that's just part of the game. Getting broke. Well, I I think we all what we all know nowadays is not to give personal guarantees, but. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, that's that's uh, that's all part of the the learning journey. Given the the toughness of the industry that you've been in, was it always a constant battle? I mean, you, I'm sure you, you've you've made money and you've lost money along the way, but was it always a constant battle to to be profitable and to be able to put money aside? Yeah, I mean, look, the the sports broadcasting business is is brutal, and uh, if I was, you know, I mean, I. One of the, I did go to college and I got a degree in business. And and, and one of the things we were taught is there are certain industries that are uh, more profitable than others, and sports broadcasting is a very difficult business. And and um, you know our competitors are Sky and and Amazon and Apple and uh, uh, Google through YouTube and Comcast and uh, Discovery, and they're all 
50, 100 billion pound companies, they're the competitors uh, and they struggle to make money in, in, in the sports space. Uh, so why, so why, it is a very difficult, it is a very difficult business area. Why stick with it, Mickey? I, well, I love it. There's great people uh, in it. I, I, I enjoy the challenge of trying to navigate the space where we can do something and, you know, make a bit of money and employ some people. And maybe that's one of the reasons why we've gone to strange places. You know, we went to Africa. We, we still have a channel. We, we channel in Asia. We just launched a channel in the Philippines uh, last year when we bought the Premier League rights, just bought the NBA rights for the Philippines. You know, we had a channel for a very long time in uh, the Baltics and Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan and Tajikistan and because all a- these wonderful places. After the, the the crash of Satanta in the UK, there was Satanta Ireland. You managed to to sell off other all these different bits and pieces of the international Satanta business that you had built up and then you you founded Premier Sports. Yeah, we we founded Premier in the in the UK pr- probably pretty soon after Satanta went um and it started very small and, and and interestingly enough again Gaelic Games was part of the reason why we started off because no one wanted to show Gaelic Games at that time in the UK and they had no home and they'd been a great partner uh and you know, we wanted to figure out a way to to help them. So, literally, for the first year, we organised that the the matches were being shown free to wear on satellite in the UK, uh, and then we used that year to f- find a way to create a really really small niche channel. So, Premier started uh, as in the UK as a as a very niche channel, but it it, it then constantly grew. So, you know, we we were doing Gaelic games, and then we were doing NRL, and then it was Speedway and. And yeah, that Premier, Premier's become, you expanded it and, and grew and you, you sold the UK business last year, was it? We sold the UK business last year to to Viaplay. Did you do well out of that? We we were very happy with the deal. Um, uh, we were very happy with the deal. How much did you sell it for? <laughs> Couldn't possibly comment. And what about where you go from here I mean you've sold the, the UK part of Premier you still have a lot of other irons in the fire as well in relation to sports TV what, what would you like to do uh, from here on well I, 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 we, I got, I've got involved with uh, the Glasgow clan ice hockey team so I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to figure that one out that's, that's a completely new business venture so I'm, uh, I'm going through very much the learning uh, a learning period for that. Have so you bought we, into the team? We we bought the team. Bought yeah, the, the, the team. Okay, and they they compete across the UK and probably a bit of international as well. Do they? It, yeah, they compete in the IHL. So it's it's a it's a league of ten teams, um, which includes the Belfast Giants, um, and it's 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 three Scottish teams. Uh, a team from Cardiff and then five five English teams. So it's it's quite a good and competitive league, uh, and it's 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 fascinating. When you look at the media landscape in Ireland and what has happened vis-a-vis the funding of public service broadcasting, all of the publicity around RTE and the question marks over how all of that should play out and be funded. What way do you see that going? What way should it go? I mean, I I suspect there won't be uh, huge changes, uh, despite all... I I, I think the only thing I would say uh, that RTE probably should do is that it probably should do a little bit more what I call 
long-term investing, I, I think we've probably not invested enough in quality programme that can be sold internationally. I mean, they do, you know, fantastic stuff with the sport and news and current affairs, which are all brilliant, but they're all, they all have no long-term value in the sense that once the sport is over, it's over. You say very much in the past tense in that you, you, you don't, do you think that's possible? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think our Irish, Irish TV is 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 reasonably well funded. Obviously, you know, we have to make choices uh, to how we want to spend that money, and it's not for me to suggest how it, how it should be done. But uh, I, I, you know. I suppose RTE would say that there is money there, but it isn't enough money based on the services and the range of services that they do provide. I think we can all say that about our businesses. <laughs> when you look at the current content platform network, for want of a for want of a better word, I'm thinking about all the subscription services that people have, whether it's entertainment, sport, movies. Do you think that that business model might start to run into some difficulty because the cost of continually producing new content means they have to put up subscriptions and people say, oh, I don't think I'll I'll, I'll subscribe to so many. Where, where do you see that rolling out in the future? Do you think that they'll There'll be fewer of them, but a couple of bigger ones. It's going to be a very interesting landscape. You're going to have thousands of free channels and you're going to have uh, a consolidation of 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 the big uh, premium player. Like, you, you're, uh, you know, Netflix obviously won't need to consolidate. Amazon probably won't. It'll be interesting to see what Disney and Paramount and uh, HBO Discovery, uh, what happens with all of them. So there will be a, a lot of consolidation. And I suspect... Their their spend on content will probably plateau as well. Uh, I mean, it has been a great uh, number of of years for uh, the production industry, and I, I I don't see the spend going down, but I I, I suspect it probably isn't going to grow uh, too as as fast, certainly from where it is nowadays. Well, it's been a fascinating uh, career, Mickey O'Rourke. I, I could describe you as uh, co-founder of Satanta and Premier Sports, but giving you a title, you you, you have a funny sign in, in the office uh, about people and titles. What is it? Oh, pick your own title, I think. <laughs> pick your own. Yeah. Okay, well, you can pick your own. Yeah. Co-founder of Satanta and Premier Sports, Mickey O'Rourke. Thank you very much for joining us on the programme. Thank you very much.